Zagazag is about life from the Gonzaga student perspective. You'll hear stories from students, alumni, staff, and more. Zagazag dives into academic experiences, social adventures, real life challenges, and the many opportunities you have to grow and explore. Your host is Hunter Hauser, a student employee in the Gonzaga Marketing and Communications Department. Sweet. So this is the second episode of Zagazag. I'm joined by some fellow West Monroe employees. Let's go, West Monroe. Uh, would you like to introduce yourselves? Sure. I have a feeling I'm going to start most of the yeah, time. Yeah, Landon, um, you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, name is Landon Kissinger. Uh, I graduated from Gonzaga with a computer science degree in 2016. Um, so, I'm the old head of the group. Uh, I work as a manager in the customer solutions practice out of the Seattle office. Sweet. Uh, I'm Sam Atkinson. I graduated in 2019 with a degree in computer engineering. And I work as a data engineering in the, the data practice at West Monroe. All right. And then I am Brian Bowers. I graduated in 2020 studying finance, information systems, and entrepreneurship. And I work within our operations excellence practice. Sweet. I am Hunter Hauser, as some people know, people that listen to this podcast. And uh, I'm a computer science student. I'm going to be joining West Monroe this upcoming summer, customer solutions practice. And I am super excited in the seattle office Leah and i are going to have a lot of a lot of fun yeah. sam too but we're just it's just gonna be so much fun right brian looking forward to it looking forward to it can't wait <laughs> anyways i appreciate you guys joining me today um uh, super awesome to have you here uh mainly this podcast is going to be geared toward like career exploration hmm. and i thought west monroe was going to be like a great opportunity for this because you honestly and in the beginning of your career you do a lot you experience a lot of different things um i experienced that this last summer so it's been an awesome experience um I just want you all to talk about what you've gone through. Uh, sure. So I'll start it off, pitch some questions out to you. First one, uh, what is some experience in your career that has been different from your college experience? You know, you've had a different workload, presentation style, stress levels. What are new topics that you learned on the job? There's definitely some stuff that I learned uh, that you didn't learn in school. And like, how can you speak to that? Sure, yeah, um, so I can go first. I graduated with a computer science degree, uh, obviously going into consulting in general um, was a bit of a shift. I would say that. I think that uh, back when I was at Gonzaga, we didn't have a split computer science major either. So it was just computer science. It wasn't the bachelor's of arts and bachelor's of science the way it is today. Um, but I would say some of the skills, one key project really sticks out to me and it it hits home for the Spokane folks because it's the multi-care Rockwood acquisition. So all of your hospital network here in the Spokane area that is now multi-care was formerly Rockwood four or five years ago. We managed that entire kind of merger and acquisition. And I was one of the actual um, OCM leads, OCM stands for operational change management, um, to go in and do that. So vastly different than the things that I learned in my CS degree. However, some of the Jesuit teachings did align a little bit in regards to that. So I did leverage part of that, but just the ability to do roadshows and speak intelligently to providers that have been working in the medical field for 35 plus years. Um, there's a lot of different skill sets that I could go into, but I think the, the number one for me was just the ability to learn an industry. I think that's one of the things within CS that you don't talk about a lot is just industries in general, right? You think tech, right? And 
working in the medical and the health industry, it's just so different than high tech and high tech software. So learning that industry, getting in there, understanding work plans, um, more the business side of things. That's something that I didn't leverage a lot in um, college that uh, I did a lot on that project. That's super awesome. Uh, one thing I actually want to talk about is uh, senior design at Gonzaga mm -hmm. tries to implement that. And I think it's a great thing because right now I'm working with a company called Amend Health and I'm working in the healthcare industry, something I've never touched before. Mm -hmm. And you get a totally new perspective on how like the skills you learn here apply to different industries. Cause you're so right. I think computer science, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna be behind a desk all day coding. And that's, that's where I'm destined, but you really recognize there's so much more you're capable of. And uh, I think that's just a great story of like what industries we're getting into because there's really so much of a reach from from just West Monroe and Gonzaga of like what you can touch. Um, yeah, that was a great response, thank you. I will say that I think college life is such a unique experience and it's so vastly different than working. It's really hard to draw any comparison between the two. Uh, your schedule looks completely different. Um, the I, I never got stressed in college. I don't get stressed now, so I, I can't really say anything about anything about well, that. Let me let me I ask you something. But, <laughs> yeah, what does your schedule look like? You're like it looks completely different. Like we drop in and out of class. I go to work here and there. I stay up till four in the morning doing homework. Like, what is your? You don't do that now. I'm assuming you get actually a good amount of sleep. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, college. Yeah, you have classes at random times. You can go to the gym in the middle of the day. Um, you eat at random hours. Uh, there's a very, I mean, obviously in consulting, it can vary depending on, you know, the time zone of the project you're working on, but you have a pretty set schedule of roughly eight to roughly five. Um, you know, you eat at the same time every day, pretty much you sleep the same hours. Um, so you're, you're going to hear that a lot too. You're going to hear a lot of it varies and it depends. Cause I think each consultant has a different experience. Um, but yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Sam. No, um, but one thing I would, will say is that even though you know most of what I did within classwork in college was never directly applicable, um, and you know most of what I know now I learned on the job, um, I think with an engineering degree specifically, the way you learn to problem solve um, and the way you learn to, to think through complex questions really, really applies to especially consulting where you have you know, a different client with a different problem uh, each time. And, and having that engineering background of thinking through how to get from point A to, to where the client wants to end up uh, has been really useful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would say one of the biggest things of the transition is the, the growing sense of accountability you need to have and bias for action as far as defining your own scope of work. College is very regimented based off of, you know, what are the requirements you get on the syllabus? Each thing is worth this percent of importance and then do that, learn what they tell you to learn, tell it right back to them and then you get a good grade. The working world is, is a lot more, especially in consulting, you're kind of thrown into these ambiguous environments where if you don't have that drive within you to define what needs to be done and then execute that, um, you can't just kind of sit back and have them tell you what to do and how to do it. And then that accountability of, you know, you don't have that professor to go back to time in and time out or any like quizlets you can be, you know, studying from. It's really got to drive your own career and it's everyone goes on their own unique path through each project. Um, so you don't have that shared experience with all of your classmates doing the same tests. 
So you really have to make sure you're kind of on it and driving your own career. Yeah, differentiation of roles, I would say, is, is a huge one, right? There's this cohesive understanding when you're in a class, right? And you have an assignment or a test coming. And honestly, to Brian's point too, there it's all outlined, right? Like people make fun of syllabus week, but syllabus week it's doesn't, a blessing in disguise. It, it doesn't exist in the real world, man. <laughs> no. And 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 sometimes I I mean I know I wish it did. I it's love being syllabus on the week. bench. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which can happen or not happen. So yeah, I think you know Brian hit it best with that differentiation of roles and the ability to um, prioritize is another thing that it's you're aided in college, right? Obviously, you know you're not given everything, but when you move into the real world, it's I say the real world like college is fake, but um, in, in regards to like prioritization, it can sometimes feel that way. Yeah, um, I definitely, from my experience, at least when I was at West Monroe this summer, it was kind of like eye-opening to think like, like, hey, I'm not turning this in for a grade. Like this is affecting people. Mm-hmm. Like people are gonna use what I'm doing. Like there is a huge sense of accountability here because it's not like, oh yeah, I did bad on this test. Like. I'll just make it up on the next one. There yeah. might not be yeah. a next one. <laughs> I showed my work. <laughs> yeah, I showed my work and I'm good to go. But I had this conversation with one of my roommates uh, the other day at lunch. And um, it's just like, he's like, I dislike school in the sense that I have to work so hard, but I'm more afraid of having the accountability, but working less. He's like, I'm afraid that I won't have to do as much overall work, but now I'm not guided. I'm not... It's not my, like, I can't just be like, oh, I screwed up. It's fine. We'll move on. It's now like, this could be like affecting real people. And um, he's a mechanical engineer, so he really could affect real people. And um, I think that's a huge thing to speak to about just career in general is that taking away the, that barrier, that fallback of school is, is, is just something that I think we honestly should address more in the college area because or just in school in general, because we just say like, hey, we prepared you for all these things so you can go do them. Yeah. But there's like a whole entire like aspect to it that's not curriculum related. So. Yeah, I think there's pros and cons to that though, right? Like I, I always like to apply the sandbox methodology to that, right? Is, um, you know, there's a reason for sandboxes and I'm okay with college being like a little bit of a sandbox, right? Because you don't want to, you don't want to be building in prod when you're learning, right? And I think that's one of the things that I always kind of look back on that I was thankful for. But I think that senior design, to your point, is really the introduction of that, where you're you're in UAT at that point. Um, so maybe having a few more instances of that, yeah, I could see that being applicable. But I, I do like that that having that fallback. And your friend's exactly right. I mean, yeah, no, he is. Yeah, he, he is. He's exactly right. There's pros and cons to it for sure. But um, overall, I think that um, it still definitely plays a, a pivotal role in, in development. Yeah, I agree. You also have to kind of drive your own accountability of learning and delivery. Whereas in school, uh, for my business majors that are listening, you can take shoddy notes for a couple weeks and then cram a couple days before the test and and do all right. Um, There's less of those moments in the the working world where you're going 110% for, uh, you know, 24 straight hours. It's more shooting, you know, 80% for 50 hours a week. (laughs) And so it's that kind of cognitive restructuring I had to do around dopamine cycles and rewarding for good work yeah. uh, because you're not going to get a pat on the back every time you hand something off like you used to get a grade on a test. So kind of finding what you're passionate about and building those internal drivers for yourself to march to um, since those goals and desired outcomes are kind of different by nature. 
Yeah. Intrinsic motivation for sure. I actually want to speak to that. That kind of bleeds into my next question is that like you're saying going 110% 24 hours before rather than 80% for 50 hours. Um, while you're here, were there any habits or things you wish you established at Gonzaga or skills you wish you invested more time in before you started your career? Oh man. Uh, yes. The short, the short answer is yes. I mean, Brian hit the first one, which is, and I don't know when I was a student, everybody procrastinated. Right. And yeah. I think, and procrastination is, is such a powerful thing, uh, especially within the CS, right. In, in the CS realm, because a lot of the times, I don't know, like that's just something I found myself doing a lot. And, you know, it's not great in college, but it is detrimental in the real world. Like it, it's, yeah. it's not possible. Um, so that's the first one. I think one of the skills that I wish I would have focused on in college is like technical technical writing, which I used to hate English class. I was can't I, blame again, you. Again, CS major, MLA format, like why does that matter? And you know, we don't use MLA format in the consulting world, but it's this idea to be able to write in a concise and valuable manner um, that then transfers to your presentation style as well, right? And I think that a lot of the times, you know, you're that can be a, a shortfall in the CS degree is the ability to practice kind of long form writing, but in a shorthand way, right? Like we write our code and we do that, but um, it's it's just a different way of thinking that I didn't do a lot of. And so that was kind of a learning curve for me when I joined the consulting world, because you're, you're sitting in on a meeting and kind of when you start a lot of it is just osmosis, right? You're trying to grab as much information as possible. So you're writing all of it down and you can end up, you know, you go through like a three hour workshop or something and you can end up with just like pages of like, I never had a paper I wrote that long in college, just in a three hour meeting. And I'm like, you know, my the, the higher ups, the leaders are asking me, okay, so like, you know, what are the key points? Yeah. And I have to go through my own notes that barely make sense to me and write kind of a concise write up of it. And that's just something I never did um, within school. Yeah. I would actually say no to this question. I, I would have picked a different major knowing what I know now, but that's a <laughs> Um, but the reason I say no is I think, you know, people always have this advice for college students, like you need to have ABC uh, skills in your resume, you need to have, have XYZ experiences. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think college students should really lean into the college experience. It's the only time in your life where you're uh, living with or within walking distance of a ton of your best friends. Um, <clears throat> and you shouldn't spend all of your time trying to build out the perfect resume because it will make a marginal, marginal difference on the, the whole of your life and the whole of your career. Uh, so don't worry if you don't have the perfect resume in college because no one does in college. Um, really lean into the experience and have as much fun as you can. Obviously study and get good grades, but uh, I would say don't worry too much about what exactly is on your resume and what skills you have there. Yeah, I would just say like focusing on finding some passions and building that out. One thing that we see at the career fairs when people say like, oh, I'm undecided business, but you know, I'm kind of interested in finance is like I completely get that. But if you turn that around and say, hey, I'm really interested in finance, I'm studying this, like find something that you're passionate about. And even if it's not entirely what you're locked on doing, like follow your passion until you realize it's not, follow something you're interested in, open a Robinhood account, lose a bunch of money, learn from it. Yep. Like what we love to see is people that 
not only get involved in campus through like different clubs that would kind of pursue professional interests, but also people that like have that curiosity and want to learn because what we're hired for is demonstrating that you know how to learn based mm -hmm. off academic record and background and then demonstrating that you have that aptitude and desire to learn and, and progress yourself more. Um, and so that's something we like to see where just even if you're not locked in on something being your passion, just chase it until you get redirected as opposed to kind of sitting on the sideline before you procrastinate that decision of what you think you want to do. Yeah, I want to build on that a little bit too. Um, because I think one of the things, just looking at like skill set, because you guys are both right. Um, I think I would want to fail more in college. And, and, yeah. and I don't mean like fail a test or fail an assignment. I think we already talked about this a little bit that there, there's a bit of a shelter, right, within, yeah. within college. And I think that for me, like going out and finding out what you're passionate about is part like that is part of the college experience or right? you're finding yourself and you know declaring your major i mean i switched my major when i was a junior in college um from mechanical engineering to computer science um and that's just like one piece of it i think that if i could go back and join more clubs and have passion projects or side projects and side gigs and frankly so many of them that they they were doomed to fail right i would be okay with that because it's just it's those reps that help you find out what you like and you don't like what you're good at, what you're not good at, what you want to get better at versus what you're like, Hmm, you know, maybe that's something that's just not for me. I can't draw. I'm never going to sign myself up for something that can draw and I don't want to, but you know, I never would have found that out unless I went and did, you know, some kind of painting class or something. So I think that's, uh, that's something is learning to fail and not like not being afraid to fail within college. And that really translates to life too, right? Like you have to take risks, but college specifically just feels like, the perfect time to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that the first book we read in the Hogan program was called Insight Out. And I think the first chapter was all about, you know, passion grows from experience where if you don't get out there and experience things, then you don't really understand what you like and what you don't like. And you can only assess so many things from the sideline before you start jumping into it and then kind of shape what you're really interested in. So especially in this remote world, I want to con comment on that too. Like I, and this might be a personal preference, but remote reps are not the same for me specifically as in-person reps, right? Like it's, it's you know, we've done volunteering before, digital and non-digital volunteering, right? You can go on and you can transcribe things from old history and write it out. And while it's kind of interesting at times, it is not the same as going out and building, you know, a tiny home for the homeless population in Seattle, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I kind of look at that the same way. Like if you're going to go, like if you're going to go discover uh, how to do front end development, right? Which is something that I never touched when I was in school. Um, like go go get in a lab or go to a land and like go do that with a group of people and just set like a really MVP goal. Like go do something like that um, and, and and get those tangible like in-person reps it would be another thing that I wish I would have done more. Yeah, uh, I really want to speak to that part where you're saying reps, like getting reps, doing it yeah. multiple times. I feel like you learn a lot through experiences where you get reps. Like. For me, I didn't know I liked to talk a lot until I started talking a lot. And that started with me, like how you're saying there's um, there's passions. Like the first thing anybody ever asked me on my resume, short career, short amount of interviews compared to a lot of people. But first thing every everybody asked me is, why do you sell sneakers? I put sneaker selling on my resume. Everybody asked, <laughs> what's up? Why, why did you put sneaker selling on there? And it's just one of my passions. I love it and I made money doing it. So I put it on there. It's a job to me. And uh, I remember even my uh, interview for West Monroe, uh, Tim Eckerd, 
Uh, Tim, if, oh, yeah. if you know him, he asked me about it. Tim is awesome. Tim is awesome. And uh, it really like hit home that, you know, your passions can be something that you can build off of. And I started in high school, found out I really like going to meets, talking to a lot of people, just voicing my opinions. You would get to talk about a lot of things you enjoy, what other people like, and you just kind of find niche things in the stuff you're passionate about. Mm -hmm. It kind of is a tree. It grows from there. So it's important to get the reps and see like what you like and don't like. Fail at the things that you don't like to do and then explore the things you like to do because then you grow from it. And that's how I get to points like this where now I'm doing a podcast for my school. Mm -hmm. And it wouldn't have ever happened if I just, you know, never started selling sneakers. And it's different because people will be like, well, I like presenting, but everybody has to present. And yeah. we're students, we have to present, we have to do those things. Like find something that you don't have to invest your time in, but you choose to. And I feel, feel like that's really important and you can really build upon that and create like a unique identity for yourself. Well, and think about why you like to present. What is it about presenting that is important to you, right? Is it being up in front of individuals? Is it the pressure of that? Is the preparation before? Is it the outcome after? Find those things and then trust me, there are other ways to get those exact same feelings and reps and go try those things as well and see if you prefer them or, or don't. Yeah, definitely explore that tree. Mm -hmm. Like don't, don't stay at the root. That's yep. one thing I can definitely say. Um, but I know, I know we're moving, through, we're moving pretty quick here. Mm -hmm. I'm, we're doing pretty good. Um, <laughs> so now that you've all been working for a little while and you've got to have those reps doing a lot of different things, what has been the most rewarding so far? Just like it could be at West Monroe in life. Like what is, what is something that you're like, now I'm done. Like I'm, I'm in that next chapter of my life. What is, what, is, what have you feel like has been the most rewarding? I'm going to let one of you two go first, actually, on this one. I would say at West Monroe specifically, because I get to work with a ton of different clients on a ton of different projects doing different types of work. I, it really helps to figure out what I like and don't like doing. Um, you know, I'm, there'll be products you don't like. There'll be work you don't, you know, work is still work. Uh, but I think having that breadth of experience very early on uh, even if I don't plan on staying at West Monroe long term, it's been rewarding to be able to, you know, understand more about myself and what I want to do long term in my career. Um, and I think consulting and West Monroe specifically is, is unique in that. Yeah, I, th I think that's one really cool aspect of consulting is, you know, clients typically hire us when they don't know what to do or when they need need help with something that's changing or transforming. And so I think about, you know, my last two projects one of them was um, kind of reevaluating cybersecurity governance models for the energy grid for a Fortune 100 energy company in response to the colonial pipeline hacking and Biden's increased regulations on critical infrastructure, where they were scrambling to be able to, you know, set up a model that they can comply and attest to. And so going from a very topical issue like that to then now I'm helping a, a name brand retailer break into the healthcare space and really try to serve underserved communities that are kind of under receivers of care, un uninsured and underinsured. And so helping them kind of roll out the clinics at scale for what they want to do. And so it's cool to be able to hop in and out of very trending topics, um, issues within the, within the world and within different industries, figure out what I like and I don't like and, and drive impact along the way. 
I feel smarter every time I listen to Brian talk. <laughs> I just, yeah. I appreciate that. That was a I whole do. entire lecture in about like a three-minute <laughs> little stint. That was impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Sign me up. Um, I have a lot of experiences uh, and a lot of things I'm, I, I would consider rewarding. So I'll, I'll split it up into, at West Monroe, you do a lot of different things. But a lot of people talk about internal work and then a lot of people talk about your non-internal work. Internal work, for those that are listening, are those things that you're doing kind of within the firm, right? Think of it as like you're doing something with the school versus, you know, if you're doing New Venture Lab or something like that, that would be what we consider like our client delivery, right? It's something outside of the ecosystem of West Monroe. And so I'll do one from client delivery and one from internal work. Uh, client delivery, I think the most rewarding thing I've ever done and probably the hardest thing I've ever done. I don't know if those coincide and there's, you know, some some kind of... Uh, connection there, but uh, we did the Paycheck Protection Program through West Monroe. And I think the reason for me why that was so rewarding is because it was during a pandemic time and um, we really took on probably more than we could chew, but we still, we, we were able to roll this out for 35 plus banks in a three week period, which is just like unreal. Um, but the reason that it was so rewarding for me is you know, you're working with these banks and banking is not something, I mean, again, I, I like it and I work within it, but it wasn't a passion of mine, especially in college. Um, but my dad owns an HVAC company and he applied for a PPP loan through one of the banks that we built the product for. And I have friends and he has friends that also did it, right? And so helping them get payroll through a pandemic time through a product that I helped build and deploy to all these different banks. I mean, we did 6.5 billion in loans um, across those banks, which is just like wild to me, right? And yeah, there's a lot of issues with it, but knowing that there were those those good cases too, was just, it just felt so real. You know, specifically when my dad was like, you know, he's like clapping that they, they get the loan and then they get the forgiveness for it too. Um, so that was huge for me. Um, so that was the client delivery side. And then internally, and this is going to sound, you know, whatever you guys say nowadays, cringe or, or whatever, but um, yeah, you know, I just, I just learned what cheggy means. Um, I have no idea what that means. Yeah, so so I'm not teaching me things. I'm not hip chuggy. like that. Chuggy. Ah. What is chuggy? Uh, it's like when millennials are, all, all millennial trends are chuggy. So it's like something that refers to people that like skinny jeans some ways that women part hair has changed yeah. apparently. Apparently jeggings. Oh, I, I'm jeggings, a millennial. Like yeah. leggings that are denim? It's so chuggy he's not even familiar with them. So. <laughs> exactly. Um, but anyway, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm known for my rabbit holes. Um, but I think that internally for me, one of the most rewarding things is actually relevant to Gonzaga. And it is the Gonzaga pipeline. I was one of two. I was one of the first campus hires from Gonzaga. And I just saw a connection between the school and West Monroe's 13 core values. And I'm not going to go through all 13 core values, <laughs> but basically I'll say that there's a correlation between the Jesuit way of teaching and learning and way of life and the 13 values that you see at West Monroe. And there's, there's a, there, there really is a great pairing there. And so when I saw that, I was obviously very passionate about Gonzaga because go Zags. And, go Zags? Yep. have to say it. And I was starting to become very passionate about West Monroe. And so I kind of made it my mission and, you know, a little bit competitive as always. Uh, you know, UW had a lot of hires in my higher class. You know, there were nine people hired in my higher class and I was the only Zag and there were seven Huskies. 
Um, and I made it my mission. I was like, no, we, we need more Zags in here, right? We, we really do. And so just kind of going through that process of coming back and speaking at some of the CS classes and continuing to build out this recruitment trend. And that's why we're here today, by the way, is we're here at the Gonzaga Career Fair. Um, seeing all the Zags get hired and then them being passionate about it, like the Brad Dales and the Blake Casagrandes of the world and like and Brian and Sam and continuing that kind of just it's just fun to see that waterfall, right? Of of people that are as passionate about it as I am, or even more so at some points. Um, and so that's been super rewarding to see them all grow though, too, right? It's like you come in, I, I interviewed Sam and when when he when I was on campus three, four years ago, and to see him back here now speaking at the booth is a very cool experience for me because it's a complete like I almost feel like I'm you know, sitting back, I was like, whoa, like that was me and Sam was that kid, right? Like, it's just crazy for me. Um, mm -hmm. So that's the other piece that is just like super rewarding for me is seeing, we always talk about our NGLs, which stands for Next Generation of Leaders. And seeing that in real time is just like wildly rewarding. And it's it's really hard to explain, right? Like I've done coaching in the past, right? I coach basketball a lot. And it's a similar feeling to that where you see, you know, player progression and that kind of stuff. Um, but almost to a different scale, right? Because they're they're getting they're completing milestones. Um, so it's interesting. And just one quick point to add there is it, it also expands beyond West Monroe. And I think the impact that West Monroe has had of coming back and establishing a recruiting pipeline at Gonzaga, which, you know, a lot of big firms would look at as being too far out of the way in Spokane or yep. too small of a school that they don't want to target because there's only so many students studying what they want. Um, you know, since West Monroe started recruiting, we have Slalom, we have Spur Group, we have some other point B consulting firms that have started to come out to Gonzaga and really discover this, this goldmine of students that are kind of under-recruited through a lot of traditional channels by nature of not being in a major market. And so it's, it's really fascinating to see that continue to grow and be able to expand those opportunities, both within West Monroe, yeah. which we all thought was, was the best option, hence why <laughs> we're here, but also be understanding that, you know, we don't have enough roles for all of the qualified candidates at Gonzaga. And so kind of spurring that action from some of our, what we would call competitors in the space, um, but them coming back to Gonzaga and starting to, you know, open up those opportunities to the next generation of Zags. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, I, I'm just going to say, Landon, you are a maestro because you're basically doing my job for me. <laughs> I know you looked at my questions beforehand <laughs> and uh, you're you're doing my job for me because one of my questions on there is why does West Monroe seek Gonzaga mm -hmm. grads and students? We covered it. I don't need to ask it. Thank you, Landon. Thank you, Brian. Um, that's just super awesome. And I actually want to touch on one thing you said a little while back was about the 13 values and uh, the cure of personalities, the core values we have at Gonzaga. Uh, during, I think my last meeting or one of my last meetings with Mackenzie Hess, who was my um, advisor while I was at uh, West Monroe, a uh, super awesome person, by the yep. way. Shout out to Mackenzie. And um, I said, you know, uh, one thing I really noticed over my time here is that the values here at West Monroe really align with the values at Gonzaga. Like it seems like an easy transition yep. in that sense. Is that like, it, it, it's weird how much they coincide, but mm -hmm. being two different entities. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just really great to point that out because you you brought it to my attention and, and it just, I think I'm thinking it. Like this is what I'm thinking, but yeah. it, if other people are thinking it too, it, it just really just brings to light how much I feel like West Monroe and Go Gonzaga like coincide and that's mm -hmm. why West Monroe is here right now. 
that's why we keep recruiting students is because if we do really hold the same values, it should be a good fit. Yeah, yeah it should. Yeah, and I want to come on that because, you know, we're all West Monroeers, you know, go West Monroe and go Zags. But one of the things I would say to the listeners as well is, first of all, and we say this all the time, nobody is really, really good at their first job. But what Hunter said is really key for me. The transition should feel easy. And there's two sides to the coin there. You're going to be stressed about your first job. You're going to go through all the problems that we just mentioned, right, around um, proficiency and trying to learn on the spot and prioritization and becoming, you know, a, a working individual. However, those core values of what your company stands for, wherever you choose to go, should align to your core values. And if they don't, I would encourage you to seek those companies that do because they exist. And especially the more modern companies that are continuing to come out, they and you know even some of the older companies too are starting to shift that way. I think that's really important is being able to decipher the difference between um, having a conflict of core values versus you know you struggling to kind of acclimate to your first job. And so as you go out there and you go to the career fair, you start applying to places. And depending on when you're listening to this, I don't know what the job market's going to look like, but that's one thing that I would say you should never sacrifice or settle for is not pursuing a company that doesn't have the core values that you do, right? And that's not political values or anything like that. I'm talking about like your core values, right? Like, do you want to be, you know, the next a, a, a generational leader or not? And that's, it's okay if you don't, by the way, right? Everybody can't be one, um, but it's important to understand that, so. Yeah, the other big thing is, you know, right now, you spend all the time you have like with your friends in class and outside of that. When you're in the working world, like you will spend more time with your coworkers than you will with your friends. And I know that sounds intimidating. So when you're spending 40 to 60 hours a week with these people, you really want to be surrounded with people that care about you and that you care about. And that's something I've found with my coworkers where I've yet to work with someone I don't like. Um, genuinely friends with all of them. We'll go on weekend trips. We'll go out on the weekends together um, compared to some of my other friends who rarely even get to know their coworkers or if you work in investment banking and they made a pinata of his boss for his birthday because he had that kind of a relationship with him. <laughs> like that sounds like a terrible way to go about your Monday to Friday. And so that was something I really valued going from a Gonzaga community where we have that cure personalis lens to want to get to know and care about people to see a firm that not just says it, but actually lives it has been a big, big part for me. I think we've kind of answered another one of Hunter's questions of you know, <laughs> what advice would we give to uh, a student looking for a career? And you know, going off of what they said, I would say two things. One, you, know, you might get a bunch of offers, some worth, with a lot more money than others. And I would say I know uh, this, the siren song of a big paycheck is tempting. I get it, money's awesome. <clears throat> but I think your first priority should be do I think I will be happy working here? Do I think I will like the people I'm gonna work with? Because uh, if you're not happy at your job, <clears throat> you're not gonna be successful. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's one of the big appeals of West Monroe is mm -hmm. I love the people I work with. Uh, it makes a huge difference um, in my motivation to deliver good work because uh, I know the people I'd be letting down if I didn't. Um, and the other piece of advice I would say is when you get your first job out of college, be in person. Um, yes, yes. Yeah, that's a good one. That's Do that, one. please. I think it's really, really important to build relationships face-to-face -face with your coworkers. Uh, you know, later in your career, if you want to go remote, that's that's 
fine, but I would say starting out off, it's really important uh, to build those connections on that network. Yeah, I would echo what Sam just said. And not to sound like West Monroe compensation isn't competitive, especially in the on the business side. It, it definitely is. Um, but the biggest thing you should look for in your first job is an area where you can get a lot of exposure and a lot of area to growth, right? What, what makes you rich is not the job you have from when you're 22 to when you're 25. What makes you rich is positioning yourself for that 30 to 35 window where you're able to learn and develop, find out what you're passionate about and build skills in that area. Um, so while compensation in some areas to be a dev could be slightly different, like how much impact are you going to be driving coding a portal for a back interface of some random internal to tool that nobody uses as opposed to kind of like getting out and seeing a bunch of different environments. And so that was pretty, pretty big point for me of focus on skills to build, not direct compensation at start. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, I want to come. I, I took a massive pay cut to come to West Monroe when I first started. Like I was interviewing at Google, Facebook, Amazon, got offers from two of the three. And I would say this and I'll say this till I die. West Monroe is the absolute best first job that I can think of. And I would not change a single thing. Like, and I don't, I would, I'm not even going to stutter on that. It's not even close. Like at the time. And that's, what's funny too, is when, when I started to meet people, the decision became easier and easier. The more people I met at West Monroe and I went through the interview process, um, you, you can make money through your whole life, right? Like that's the thing. And a lot of people talk about, you know, money versus happiness. And I don't think that those have to be mutually exclusive, but if I'm going to pick one, I'm going to pick happy because you have, you know, a working career ahead of you. You know, Brian's talking about, you know, 20 to 25, 25 to 30, 35, 30 to 35, but you don't even have to really compartmentalize that if you don't want to, right? Like just break it down to brass tacks of most people work throughout their lifetime, right? Some people take breaks, but you need a sense of purpose. So you're going to go to work, right? Like even those individuals who take sabbaticals, take breaks, they usually find something that they're passionate about, right? And I think that it's key when you're first starting out to, as Brian talked about, get that exposure to learn those things. And one of the things I love about West Monroe, people always talk about the people at West Monroe, but I have never, every single day I come to work, I learn something new from someone, whether it's the CEO of the company or an intern that is coming on and teaching me about, you know, new urban languages, right? Like (laughs) there's something that I learn every day, which is just wild to me that I've never, like I talk to individuals who have gone on and done, you know, the engineering jobs. I just talked to them yesterday. I met up with them, right? And they're like, man, like I went and worked some government job and it was so slow, it was mind numbing. And I was so thankful. I've literally never thought that. I've thought it's been too fast at times, absolutely. But I would rather have to press the brake than the gas pedal. Um, And that's been huge for me to just continue to learn, lifelong learning. One of the things that Gonzaga teaches, learning. I talk about daily learning, right? I, one of my favorite people ever, his name's Jim Valvano. Look him up. He's the former head coach for NC State basketball. And he has this quote, right? Jimmy V. You probably heard about the Jimmy V classic, but it's you should uh, you should laugh every day. You should cry every day. And you should spend your, your time deep in thought. If you do those three things in a day, that's a full day. And while I don't cry every day, I would like to think that I have pretty full days at West Monroe. Um, and so that's why I always push people to find that job that gives you a full day. 
Yeah, one, one quick thought about the thinking deeply every day. Try to spend some time not listening to music, not listening to podcasts, not on social media. I just met up with an old professor um, who did his PhD on kind of like phone addiction technology. And so much of that is like when you're driving, like leave the music off every now and then. Like have some time to decompress and think about things. We live in a world that's constantly begging for our attention and it's it's always there whenever you want that dopamine hit from social media yeah. but if you really want to discover what you're passionate about you have to have some of those introspective walks without your phone leave it at home stuff like that in a growing virtual world that's just getting worse and worse but listen to this podcast yeah <laughs> that was, that's actually i'm gonna start wrapping it up here but i want to touch on that is that we have a class for us computer science students called the uh, I think it's like computer ethics. It's about, you know, mm-hmm. have, having the ability to understand technology in a world where technology is growing. Anyways, he gave us a homework assignment uh, a week or two ago that was literally take a 30 minute walk without your phone. Just don't Amen. listen to music. Liberating. Yeah. Don't go on your phone. Just walk outside or just walk. You can go to the RFC. That's what he said. Just walk. Just don't go on your phone. Mm-hmm. And it really is just such an experience. I um, hate running. I hate it with a passion. It's possibly <laughs> one of the worst things that's ever been created. Uh, but I forced myself to do it. And so I'll go out. Um, I sometimes just won't listen to music mm-hmm. and I'll just run uh, three miles and it sucks. Every second of it sucks. I hate it so much. Um, you made it to Ragnar. I did. Uh, <laughs> I did make it to Ragnar. Uh, but I think it's just, it really takes the touch grass effect. Yeah, it really helps just, you just go touch grass. Yeah. Baby. Just come back to earth and understand, you know, there's just so much more besides our phone. There's so much more besides the TV, the computer, the, there's just so much out there. So. And, and if you're listening to this in Jepson, Jack and Dan's is about a 15 minute walk away. So leave your phone in Jepson, walk to Jack and Dan's, you get a, get a beer, walk back. <laughs> yeah. Jack and Dan's. Is Assuming you're 21. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> hey, hey, we're being recorded. Yeah, yeah. Um, awesome. Sweet. Uh, I had a question on there. It would be like, what was one piece of advice you'd give? I really like, I'm actually going to omit you from this, Landon, because you said that quote about yeah. deep thinking, crying, especially the crying. And, yes, uh, especially the crying. And, um, you know, smiling, being happy. And I think that's just a great thing to touch on. And I, I feel like that's one piece of advice that, like, you could live by. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I guess I'll move to you, Sam. Like, what is one just small little blurb that you would you think of that you'd be like, hey, just just like a sentence, like, hey, this is what I would say to students or just people that they could live by. Uh, I would say prioritize first uh, happiness. I, I think it's you know, money money is awesome, but your life will be pretty empty if that's all there is. To echo that, I would say prioritize for your happiness. So it's, you know, focus on high value Mm -hmm. items in your life, whether that's learning, whether that's being social, try to limit those times when you're just going through the motions and trying to be intentional. Even if, you know, it's more social events, like trying to plan your week around getting everything done and also making time for friends. Yeah. And uh, I'll give my my little two cents here and then we can end it off. Um, One quote my dad told me, he definitely told it to me in the literal sense, but it's definitely resonated with me. It's a live like no one else while you're young. So you can live like no one else while you're older. Um, And I I wanna focus on that as like, 
I think he was saying, you know, work super hard, but I've more reflected on that and been like, discover what I want now. Discover what I want to do, the passions I love, the the people I love, who I want to spend my time with, so that when I'm older, I know what I want in life. Mm-hmm. And I'm working hard now to figure all of that out. So when it's later in life, I'll have it set up and I can succeed in the things that I want to do. So that'd be one quote that I I live by. Um, I'm saying it here now, I will eventually get that tatted on my body. <laughs> I 100% will. Um, but yeah, it's something that resonates with me. Um, but yeah, uh, I appreciate all of you being here today. Thank you so much for taking the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know we got a career fair to get to. I'll stop by. I got to get a picture at that booth. Uh, (laughs) But it was awesome having all of you here. Uh, Thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah. uh, Thank you. Yeah. Go Zags. Go Zags.